0: Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of thirty two inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky, the Red Turf repping Eagles Power Hour.
1: Welcome back to Eagles Power Hour. This is your host, Rusty Kramer. Uh, no Kyler Neal today, going solo, but not totally solo. I do have a guest. But before I introduce this guest, because we'll be talking some men's basketball today, uh, I would like to remind everybody most. Most importantly, uh, the rest of the Big Sky, exactly what Eastern Eagles did last year in regards to their accomplishments throughout the season because they were the Big Sky champs. We had the Coach of the Year, Shantae Legans, the Big Sky MVP, Mason Peatling, and shout-out to him because he just signed with Melbourne United. Uh, this was the number six scoring team offense in the country. They had the 26th in the nation in three-pointers. They had three all-conference team selections. And shout out to Bobby Suarez, because he was selected to the NA- NABC, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, to Under Armour, 30 under 30 team. An individual I'm talking to today, I believe he was selected in 2017 to that same list. I have associate head coach, David Riley. David, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So what has your summer been like? Because this has been <laughs> a totally unique, totally off the wall. I mean, we have... I saw a report the other day, like, the Pentagon said, hey, we we recovered, like, basically alien, UFO. It's just been a weird year. So what's your summer been
2: like? I mean, it's been a lot different than than past summers. Uh, a lot of waiting and seeing, hoping to get back on the court with our guys, and uh, just, just trying to figure out what what's next. Uh, you know, the typical summer for us usually starts in June. We start getting our guys back on campus. The freshmen will, will usually come in camps are starting up in June and then July's always hectic with recruiting and uh, you know there's usually some AAU tournaments some high school deals going on and you know June and July are are about just as busy as the season typically Uh, but this year it's been really relaxed a lot of time with the dog watching a lot of clinics and reading and just just trying to you know stay busy and and be ready for when when that time comes when when we can actually get back in the court with our guys and and get rolling but it's been definitely different
1: yeah it's it's, it's absolutely a strange year so far but i i do before we get into uh other talks i i do want to kind of because i think you would be a in good individual to ask about this because i've heard two different stories from two different camps so there's this tennis competition uh, amongst the coaches uh <laughs> between tj bobby and the legs family can you tell us what the true record is because if you ask yeah. two sides they both tell you something a little bit different <laughs>
2: Well, usually you can tell the next day by, by who's kind of chipper and whistling, walking into the office. Um, I'm gonna guess that Legs and, and Tatiana have the upper hand, uh, just because I hear that Bobby has to carry TJ a little bit, a little bit on the <laughs> on the uh, tennis court. But uh, no, I, he- I hear Bobby and TJ also bicker like a like a married couple at times <laughs> too. Um, but I'm, if I were to guess, I've only seen a little bit uh, just passing by, but I've already I've already guessed it'd be Tatiana and Shantae.
1: The legs family has probably got the upper hand as as of right now in regards to the the tennis realm of things.
2: Yeah, I mean those are those are four competitive people, and Tatiana probably takes the takes the cake is the is I've the heard, most the most competitive I've heard I've heard that before <laughs> yeah. and, and
1: speaking of competitiveness can you talk about the the competitiveness just amongst the coaches do you guys have any uh do you, I'm sure you guys play uh, pickup games or whatever it may be or just silly games amongst the office I'm sure there's some competitive competitiveness amongst you guys
2: oh yeah we're I mean that's kind of what we pride ourselves on we, we I, I think it carries over to our guys but just anything that we're able to compete over. Sometimes it's noon ball. Sometimes it's a shooting contest before practice while the guys are in weights. Um, but yeah, we just kind of get after it whenever we can. Who's,
1: who's the who's the shooter amongst all the coaches?
2: Yeah, I'm i ta- I'll I'll take that. I know legs legs will have something to say. Bobby and TJ, I don't. I think they're they're okay with with it being me or legs, but. I'm, I'm not going to give legs that right now.
1: Fair enough. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guarantee uh, coach likes to say something to that. <laughs> Have sure. you been uh, watching in the, any of the NBA games? Cause I know last night and this will be re- re- released sometime next week, I believe. But last night, uh, LA, uh, the Lakers and the Clippers were playing. Did you watch those games at all?
2: Yeah. I, I was able to get back and watch the Laker Clipper game. And I watched some of the scrimmages before that. It's just fun to watch, watch those guys compete and play. And um it's, it's exciting to have it back
1: yeah i mean it's they're act man they're just incredible if we're just watching the guys that you know in the league i mean just even like the guys who aren't like the superstars like the individuals are just really solid at their role they know they're what they're supposed to do and they're just excel at it and just watching lebron james man every year that we get you know get the opportunity to watch him play it's just incredible like you the amount of years he's able to perform at the level he's able to perform, just taking care of his body during the season and off season, it's pretty incredible that he hasn't, you know, sustained like an injury or anything like that. He's just competing on a totally different, you know, level.
2: Yeah, I mean, those are, those are the best of the best, and we try to have our guys when they can in the off season go watch pros train, and you know, whether it's Jake Wiley who's in town um who's spent a little time in the NBA or Tyler Harvey, one of those guys, or if they're down in LA and they're working out with NBA guys, just making sure that they observe their habits. They're they're in the gym early. They're not just going in and chucking shots right away. They're getting stretched. They're they're taking care of their bodies afterwards. Um everything's game speed and just the amount of reps they put in it, it's crazy. Like if you go watch an NBA game and you get there a couple hours early, those guys are are doing full workouts like what our what would tire our guys out they're doing that two hours before a game and I mean that we want our guys just to pick up those habits because that's with a lot of our guys come in and they say they want to be a pro whether it's overseas or the NBA they have high goals but we want to make sure they understand the habits of those guys and it's just fun to watch them when all that stuff they put into it and they go in scrimmage, they haven't played in two months or whatever, and they still look pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, it's that you know when I was in the Marine Corps, that's uh, we had a sergeant major, sergeant major Black. He'd always <laughs> it's just like uh, preach us. He's like, you know, you need to treat your body like you're a professional athlete. Uh, yep. We're putting all this work into you, uh, so you need to take care of your body and make sure it's able to perform for a period of time. And I just, you know, that kind of just stayed with me, that mindset, even in the fire service, you just need to treat yourself like a professional on and off the field. I mean, for you guys, I mean, on and off the field, but for me, it's, you know, on calls and whatnot, <laughs> yeah. but it's just doing all the right things. Uh, I would imagine that what you're alluding to is just, uh, you know, start thinking as a pro, you want to be a pro, well, here, here's the time to start, you know, walking the walk, not just talking the talk, so um i i do yeah. got a question and now we're talking about nba it's just what's your thoughts on the fake crowd noise
2: <laughs> honestly i i kind of like it I, i'm all for the gimmicks and the and the fake crowd or the pictures of the fans in the crowds and uh the the weird camera angles so they right. kind of they keep it out of uh the, the stands out of the picture I, i'm all for it i mean it makes it more enjoyable to watch and it's, it's fun.
1: I, I, I'm i not going to lie. Like last <laughs> night I was watching the game. I knew it was fake crowd noise, but I would forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just for whatever for reason, sure. I would forget. And uh, I was thinking, I'm like, well, if they didn't have fake crowd noise, I mean, you would hear everything going on during the game. And there would probably be a lot of like censorship that would have to take place. Just, I mean, it's just, that's just the reality of it. I mean, anybody who's played, you know, basketball or any competitive sport. I mean, it. it some, we got some people that like to talk when they play. <laughs> it's just part of their play. So,
2: well, that. But the other, on the flip side, you you would hear a lot of guys talking on defense. Like the amount those guys talk and communicate on the court is is crazy. True. I mean, you go to a high school game, to a college game, the communication is is a hundred times more. And then you go to a pro game, it's it's wild. Everything they're talking about. I mean, there's some videos. I think it was uh, P.J. Tucker last year when he was training with T- Team USA, and they just had a mic on him and just the amount that he talked every possession. It was it was it would tire you out just without moving yeah. um so it, it you know i'd be fine without the crowd noise for a game to show our guys what they actually talk like
1: well i was uh i was watching some uh uh oh it was ufc fighting when they started the you know the ufc fights yep. and they had no crowd no- it was just really and i was listening to joe rogan he, he said you, you could hear when someone gets their nose broke the breathing through the nose and just the blood mm-hmm. and just the talking that takes place during the fight and just Watching a fight, I totally forgot there was no crowd there. But it's just, I don't know, it's such a different feel. It's just like a raw, like organic feel to it, and it, it's pretty cool. And it just remind me of, you know, being able to watch because yep. they, I watched a clip yesterday, NBA game that they showed without the crowd music, and it just remind me watching, you know, pickup games or mm-hmm. watching some high school games and stuff. And it was, I don't know, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. So, what else have you been up to this summer? I know. So, for us, uh, us, me at the station and stuff, or at home. Last chance, you just came out. So, I've been binge watching that. Is there anything the Riley family's been watching? <laughs>
2: Uh, we just started Breaking Bad. We never got onto that. Um, I, I I'm saving Last Chance View. I, I haven't started that one yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think it's in the Bay Area this year, if I remember yeah, right, which L- is Laney, Laney, uh, yeah, Laney's Community College. Yeah, that's where I I grew up down in Palo Alto. So that'll be that'll be fun to watch and you know see some of the sights. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think. We we watched Breaking Breaking Bad, and honestly, I've been. I was pretty good about watching clinics and staying focused and trying to read books and not watch too much TV. But the last last couple of weeks, that's that's gone downhill a little bit. <laughs> what what books are you reading? Uh, just there's a, there's a couple of good ones. Uh, Talent Code and Culture Code have been uh good. Just trying to figure out different ways that we can help implement some new things in our culture and uh, just taking things from different businesses or sports teams and. And uh, trying to help our guys out whenever we can.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Is uh, I was talking to Coltrupold TJ uh, yep. a couple of weeks ago, and we were just talking about leadership and stuff like that. And leadership is something that you could take to any position or any group or any profession. it Doesn't have to be just sports. It doesn't have to be just fire service related, or or in the military. And that's something it, that you could take, and it it's it fits all molds. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and that was kind of the conversation that we're going on and for me like in the fire services at the end of the day you just need to treat your guys as you know as people and yep. you know know that they care you care about them and stuff like that but uh yeah i, I don't know where i'm going with this but yeah that was just like uh <laughs> interesting yeah. uh, you know topic that we we're talking about and it's cool to hear you kind of reading up on that so where have you improved or you've been trying to improve this off season you know as a coach
2: well i just think just developing the culture and when shantae got here our big thing was just we want our guys to feel empowered and really feel like they're taking ownership of their development and and their and our team um you know last year we had the ultimate player coach with with mason and he was a great example of that where we were we're in film and it's not just you know whoever's running the film if it's my scout or whatever it's not just me talking at the guys this is what you do this is what you do we want it to be a, a, a team process where everyone's putting their input and everyone feels safe where they can, if they say something dumb, it's, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. We just correct it and we move on. And, um, at the end of the day, if they're the ones that are kind of taking credit for the ideas or they're the ones that are, that are initiating the extra work or whatever, that's how we're going to be really good. And there was times this year where all of a sudden we're in a, a diamond press where we're super aggressive and coach book looks at legs and and, and me and we were like who, who called that and we, we figure out two minutes later that Mason just randomly called it after a free throw and because he saw something in the defense and we're like cool and that's what we want our guys to be feeling power and just figuring out different ways we can do that um whether it's in film or practice or or in different scrimmages where we have them coach uh that's kind of our big goal is, is to have a, a team that that takes ownership.
1: Yeah. And, that, and that's it right there is you, you guys are creating ownership uh, amongst the players and that, that's so infectious. I believe in any organization I, I've ever been in and uh, once individuals feel empowered that they're mm-hmm. part of the team, man, that's going to be very infectious amongst the team. And once you have new Eagles come into the squad and they see that that's just something, a learned, you know, behavior, a part of the culture, what you're referring to. Yeah. And and that's pretty cool to hear. And uh, I mean, it was very transparent amongst us last season. And, I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't think you're going to correct me here, but just (laughs) watching the coaching staff and the players, I just felt like there was, this was such a tight, you know, uh, knit team from the coaches to, to the players.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we got a young staff and then there's, there's a lot of pros and cons of that, but we, we take it like, we're going to work hard. We're going to make some mistakes. We don't have the experience that a lot of other staffs have, but we're going to, at the end of the day, if we're not maybe as smart as some of those 50 or 60 year old coaches, we got... 13 other guys in the roster, 17 other guys in the roster, and our collective brain power we'll be able to figure it out as long as we're all working together. So that's kind of our, our MO, and it, it's worked. Like, Shoot, we had a team this year, I don't think anyone in our rotation had a scholarship offer anywhere else, any, any other Division One scholarship offers. And to do that, to have those those guys improve as much as they did, they have that chip on their shoulder, and we win a Big Sky Championship, that just tells, tells you a lot about our guys and, and, and the work they put in.
1: Yeah, that, that's actually pretty crazy to hear. And, and to me, I always say, you know, hard work always works, right? Mm-hmm. This has got to be, I mean, I'd have to look it up, but this has got to be one of the youngest or the youngest coaching staff in the country.
2: I think, yeah, I, I'd be, it'd be hard to imagine a younger staff than us at this point. It, with it's the, nuts.
1: But yeah. and if you look at the squad, I mean, Oh man, you could line up any team in the nation. And I assure you that Eastern Washington is going to show up and they're going to play. And if you sleep on them, they're going to give you real problems. And, uh, yep. th- and that's the way it, it, it's just kind of having that hungry. I mean, like you were saying, just be kind of being hungry and just, you know, trying to outwork individuals. You might not have, like you were saying that the 30, 40 years of coaching experience, but yep. you're going to put in the work, your players are going to put in the work because that's what you guys have been preaching to them.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: So, Let's go ahead and move on to you know talking a little bit a little bit about yourself. so you grew up in Palo Alto California and yep. that's in Northern California yep okay uh, can you talk about kind of your uh, upbringing and kind of where you went to high school and playing hoops?
2: Yeah, so I grew up in Palo Alto uh, actually on Stanford campus my dad was a uh, or, or is a professor at Stanford uh, so it was really cool to. Grow up there, and that was right at the time when Stanford was a powerhouse, and they, were, they had some teams that were number one in the nation. And um, you know, sneaking into those gyms oh, and watching yeah. games, and we had the the pass where you can get into every every Stanford game except for the Arizona and Cal game uh, for cheap. So I went to all those games, and just watching those guys growing up really got me into basketball. Um, my family's a football family, like big time football. Got people. My dad played college football and basketball, but my uncle, uh, Mike Riley was Mm -hmm. the coach at Oregon state, Nebraska, and grandpa was a football coach. And so I always kind of had that idea that I wanted to coach, but, you know, being in Stanford campus and being around basketball like that, that kind of sparked that fire for me, uh, and just sneaking into those gyms and playing all the time. And, uh, that was, that was a really cool experience growing up there. Um, and then, my dad and mom both went to Whitworth. And so, um, junior, senior year of high school, I was trying to figure out where exactly where I want to go. I had some walk-on offers. I was actually looking at walking on at Montana. I went on a visit up there. I enjoyed it. Uh, thank God, Uh, (laughs) but no, uh, ended up going to Whitworth, uh, had a great experience there, played all four or got to start all four years and, um, got a lot of a lot of time on the court, which is really, really cool experience for me. And we had some amazing teams, I number one in the nation at one point in division three and made some good runs in, in the tournament. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, a it was a great experience playing division three ball and kind of just understanding the, the whole college experience. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the path I took.
1: So when you look back at like, you know, watching Stanford basketball, is there a certain team in your mind that kind of sticks out? Like when you, when you look back, like, yeah, this is the team that I enjoyed or just just kind of when you look back
2: at that? I mean, yeah, legs probably won't like it because he's a cow guy, but, uh, cause he played against all these guys, uh, but you know, like Arthur Lee and Mark Madsen and those guys, uh, they made the, the run. I think they made it to the final four that year. And, uh, you know, they had, they had a bunch of good players: Chris Hernandez, Casey Jacobson. Growing up and just kind of watching those guys, and you know, I remember watching them play against Richard Jefferson and mm-hmm. Gilbert Arenas and those guys uh, at Arizona, and 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 just watching them compete at that that high of a level with the crazy crowds at Stanford that were pretty uh pretty wild and inappropriate at times. But it was it was just that that was what college basketball is all about. Um, and growing up and just seeing that, and then trying to take couple of those things growing up watching them like how can how can we create that experience at Eastern and we, we started getting there this year at points our, our Montana game we had a pretty fun uh fun crowd that didn't the game didn't go well but uh you know we're trying to get that experience where the the fans and everyone's kind of part of the part of the team and that that's what I liked growing up is watching that at Stanford
1: yeah that's I mean just looking back and when we had coach legs on the podcast I was just going through uh the teams that he was playing and the guys on those rosters. I mean, I just had a flashback, man. That was some good basketball. I mean, yeah. it's still good basketball now, but just – I, I kind of just took you know a trip on memory lane almost, you know, just thinking Packed about all in, the names. Yeah. Exactly. It was just nuts, man. Really good. And uh, you're talking to, like, you know, just uh, kind of developing that culture here at Eastern. And I, I tell you what, and I will always say this anytime time we're talking about men's basketball, if you want to watch some good men's basketball, just come up here to Cheney, Washington. It is phenomenal basketball, and if you want a show, come before the game, and, <laughs> and, and it's an absolute show watching these guys, Jacob Davison, kind of do his yep. thing, and just and he just does it effortlessly you know, effortlessly. But uh, uh, just going back uh, before before we get into more college talk, uh, so what was the scene like? Basketball scene like uh, growing up in Palo Alto? Uh, it
2: was it was actually pretty good. I you know we had in middle school we we go over all all across the Bay Area playing different AAU tournaments, and uh, I played on a local AAU team, but, you know, Jeremy Lynn was a year older than me, and he was supposed to go to my high school, ended up transferring to the other public high school, uh, unfortunately, and they, they beat us for the next three years, but g- kind of seeing him and, and going to different tournaments with him, I mean, shoot, I, I had no idea what it took to, to really be a, a great player at that point, and we'd go to a tournament, and he would go back, and I'd, I'd stay in this same room with, with him and his mom, one, one trip. And his mom took him out to the back, back of the parking lot and they would do ball handling drills for 45 minutes. And I, you know, I, I tagged along and did it with him that, that trip. but then I realized like, crap, this guy's doing this every day. And that that was kind of a wake up call for me to see what it really took, um, to, to become a good player. And obviously he took that another step and made Linsanity and, and all that going on. But, uh, just that, that was, pretty cool to see i mean palo alto is definitely not known as a as a basketball powerhouse and i don't think it is right now that's for sure um but it was it was definitely some some good hoops back then
1: yeah so what What would you say, I mean, to like the high school kids that are listening right now, where was the biggest change in your game or mindset wise or you know practice wise that you did that you that you saw an immediate change in your game? Was it something as simple as that?
2: I mean, that was one of them. The other one was was going into my or just finished up my senior year. I thought I was training really hard. i was I was going to playing pickup and shooting on my own and going to the rec center at Stanford to lift. And I came home one day and I told my dad, like, yeah, I'm, my body's dead. I don't think I could work any harder. And he just, he laughed at me. And that first two weeks up at Whitworth with Coach Hayford and Coach Fortier, and those guys just kicked my ass. And I was like, oh, and I called my dad. I was like, all right, yeah, this is this is actual hard work. And um, I mean, there's always a different level. Whenever you go up from middle school to high school, from, high, from JV to varsity, you just got to adapt and and figure out what it takes. And and whatever everyone else is doing, you probably got to spend an extra hour doing it if you want to be successful at that level. Um, that's kind of the biggest thing for me.
1: Yeah. There's always better dudes out there. When you think <laughs> yeah. you're, you're the top dog, there's always, there's exactly. bigger dudes out there. So, yeah. so after high school, uh, you're trying to decide where you want to go. You, 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 decided you went to Montana. It is pretty there, but you <laughs> yeah. realize like, this is probably not the, my, my best interest. So you end up going <laughs> to Whitworth following where your parents went. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you played for Jim Hayford from you went there from 2007 to 2011. Yep. Correct. Okay. And then, so you're you're not going to gas yourself up, so I'll gas you up for you. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, you had a hell of a career there at Whitworth. Uh, You finished with 1,664 points, which is just over 14 and a half points per a game ranked fourth in Whitworth's history. I mean, you were absolutely deadly from three-point range. Uh, you shot just over 43%, uh, 300 for 696 attempts. I mean, that's pretty solid. I was watching some of your uh, highlight tape on YouTube. <laughs> How does that feel to say? Yep. Uh, and man, I mean, if you got your feet set, it was, it, it was game over. It was, it, that's all you needed, in my opinion. I mean, But uh, it, it was pretty cool to watch some of your highlights tapes. Can you talk about your career at Whitworth?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, w- it was, it was awesome. Uh, I came up there, not really understanding what D3 was all about thinking I was going to be the, the hot shot coming in right away. And then we had some dudes on our team, uh, Colin Williamson, Ryan Simes, uh, that kind of set me into place and, and realized I had to, you know, this is high level basketball still. Um, but growing up, I kind of modeled my game after Adam Morrison. Mm. Um, my, my sophomore year of high school, I went up to Mead. my dad's college roommate is Glenn Williams. And so we would go out there. I would spend a couple of weeks up with, with him and, uh, he, he would have his mead camps and I would, I would go watch Morrison and, and just wanted to get a high, high release like him. So no one could block my shot and wanted to be a little crazy and, and talk, talk like him. And, um, that was, that was kind of who I model him and him and Paul Pierce are the two guys. I, I really tried to model my game after because uh, I would definitely wasn't the quickest or the fastest, but I could get my shot off. And um, no, we had a great career at Whitworth, and and we had some really really good teammates. A couple like Michael Taylor was a pr- pr- really good player at Montana. I think he averaged like 25 minutes a game. Really really solid kind of glue guy came in with me my senior year at Whitworth, and we had a really good run together. Um, just had a, had a tough game in the lead eight. I think we coulda we would have had a chance at winning it all, but. Uh, had a tough one in, in Ohio.
1: Mm. I was, uh, when you were talking about, you know, Adam Morrison, uh, so I went to East Valley high school over here in Spokane Valley. So oh, I was a great. freshman when he was a senior and <laughs> he just, he did what he wanted against. Well, I remember watching him come in the, you know, in the gym and I looked at him and just. Uh, I, I'll say it. he's just kind of a goofy guy when you yes. it, it just kind of just meeting him or whatever but uh man he would just he he beat the brakes off of us and Josh Highfelt was another one yeah if you remember him for that guy sure. was a beast and uh yeah he was another one he just kind of did what he wanted but uh so what was it like playing for Jim Hayford
2: it was it was great I mean he really showed like coming into college I really didn't know. You know, my high school coaches don't shoot a three unless there's 15 seconds or less on the clock. And, you know, Hayford's uh, mentality has always been if we, if you got a great shot and you're above a 40 percent three point shooter, it's a, it's a good shot. Uh, and so that really just kind of gave me the green light from the get go. Uh, and it was just fun to play in that system offensively. Uh, and then he obviously came into eastern changed the culture here uh and and brought that same offensive system and then shante and myself we kind of carried that on where we want to be a high octane high powered offense um and it it was great i mean i just i just learned so much from him uh basketball wise and, and, and coaching wise i remember my freshman year he would uh I'd go to his office and he knew I was thinking about coaching. So he would, he would give me biographies of different coaches. So, you know, read the Rick Majeris book or or the Bob Knight book, or I guess there's, was, there's was a couple other ones that weren't as not, not as coaches weren't quite as crazy. Maybe he's trying to let me know that he wasn't the craziest coach out there. Like give, <laughs> give me those books, but uh, no, he was great. And it, it was exciting to see him do well at Seattle U as well.
1: Yeah. I was that's going to be my, kind of my next question. You're kind of leading into it is kind of what got, got you into coaching or who got you into coaching at what point did you kind of realize like, yeah, this is maybe something I want to do because you got your bachelor's degree at Whitworth when mathematical economics and a minor (laughs) in math and, uh, obviously you have a a lot bigger brain than I do because I I took some (laughs) online classes and I was, what was it? It was a a comparison class between Hitler and Stalin and (laughs) like the literature I was reading. Like I I read it like a paragraph and I had no idea what I just read. But anyways, (laughs) so what kind of got you into like coaching or at what point did you realize like, yeah, this is, this is something I want to do.
2: Well, it it was, I kind of bounced back and forth. I've always enjoyed math and econ. It it always kind of came naturally to me. And growing up in Palo Alto, the the whole tech scene uh, kind of intrigued me, Silicon Valley and all that. So I, I bounced back and forth between college, but really, kind of my grandpa and uncle when I when I go up um, visit them, and they would tell stories about their college. I mean, it, it would just we'd watch TV and we watch football basically, and they would tell stories about their old players and. We go to different places and their old players would come in and say hi to them or or come over to the house and they just had so many relationships and and great stories about all these people that they helped along the way and it just seemed really rewarding you know and it you know it was tough for me coming out of college had a pretty good degree knew i could go back to the bay area and probably have create a good career down there but i was like you know what at the end of the day i want to i want to be able to help people i want to be able to to be a mentor and some some I think the 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 ages of 18 to 22 years old is one of the most important times in a kid's life and so if i'm able to be there and mentor kids and help them uh and then while also doing that be able to compete and do something i love i think that sounds like the 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 perfect career and so when when coach hayford got the job at eastern was the perfect opportunity to jump into d1 and and uh get my get my masters out here and 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 start going and and i was bought in 100 percent from the get-go i mean my goal has been to be a college coach
1: yeah, and I'm sure uh, when you, you put in your application for uh, Eastern to <laughs> coach, I mean, for Jim Hayford, it was probably uh, an easy decision because he was already familiar with you. He, I mean, he coached you all throughout Whitworth. He knew who you were on and off the court. Uh, he knew you're a smart dude. So I'm sure it was an easy decision for him. So what was the biggest change going from player to starting in the coaching world?
2: Uh, just just kind of a- – the hours you got to put in because I mean I, I I prided myself on being in the gym shooting more than anyone else like that was my whole thing I wanted to get more reps than everyone else and so I kind of took that mentality to coaching but everyone in division one works really hard so when I first got here we had a crazy I think we practiced at like 6 30 in the morning we practice then we had I'd have night class three nights a week at six six o'clock at night so I'd just stay in the office all day and just just the hours were, were, it was kind of a shock to my system. And especially that the whole summer before that, I was, I still thought I might have a chance to go play overseas. So I was working out and working camps in the summer. And then finally in September, I was like, you know, you know what, I'm probably not going to make a, make a roster over there. Let's, let's jump into the coaching thing. And now that was the biggest thing for me, um, was just the, 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 i guess you can call it a grind it's not really a grind because you're doing it with people you love and it's it's still fun it's just like Mm -hmm. you're hanging out and and talking hoops and and helping guys along the way but um you know i think that that was that was a big change but what what really helped me was the fact that hayford coach hayford trusted me um he knew me as a player in coaching that's a big thing is is okay if i give this guy a job if i if i if i trust him to, to get this thing done Will he get it done? And so I kind of had that built up for the last four years, and that kind of gave me opportunity. And I've been super lucky every step of the way. Like um, t- two years as a grad assistant, where I was able to, it was ha- Coach Hafer's first year, Shantae. We had a whole new staff. So I was able to jump in and do all the film. And the film guy's really valuable because the assistants need to get the, the, the scouts ready. And so I was a part of every scouting report. I was really learning a ton about hoops, doing that. Um, and then as soon as, as soon as I was done with that, we had a coaching change and we able, we able to fundraise a little bit of money. And we had our, I was the first operations guy at Eastern that I was paid very little through camp, but at least I enough to pay rent. And so that was my third year. And after my third year, I was like, all right, I need to actually make some money here. And I was traveling all around. I went to the final four interviewing for a bunch of jobs and, um, right when I was thinking about taking a couple other jobs coach Fortier ended up getting the call that his wife got the job at at, um at Gonzaga and he was going to go go work with her which is which is awesome for them and opened up a spot for me and I'm I think I was I want to say 25 or 24 Mm -hmm. as an assistant coach at division one I mean that's that's crazy like I was super lucky to fall into that position and then just every step of the way it's just it been the perfect timing for me to move up and kind of take on more responsibility. And now it's, you know, Shontane and I were just talking about the other day, like 10 years ago, we were, (laughs) we were sitting just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And now we're, we're kind of running the show here and it's fun just to be part of this.
1: Yeah. And I think it's cool. And, uh, it, it you you said, you know, you felt lucky at points and times, but I just think you're prepared at the right time when the opportunity came. I mean, if you weren't prepared and ready to go, like luck would have passed you on yep, by. Right. And sure. uh, you're talking about as well as it's like uh, I, I think a grind is an appropriate word, especially, you know, being a young coach because you're not making you know, no. six figure. We had coach Brown on the podcast, uh, on a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about when he was down in Cal Poly as the first year, uh, cornerbacks coach. And he's living in an area where it's, you know, people are making a yeah. lot of money down there and he's trying to survive, you know, as a first year's coach. I mean, it is a grind. You have to love this to be in it. And you're right. Like uh, you have to work hard, but everybody else is working hard. So you have to work harder than the other coaches. So yeah. I think it's pretty cool just to hear your story and hear other coaches stories of kind of how they got into coaching and, uh, and how they prepared themselves for the future. And, uh,
2: yeah.
1: so from day one or year one of coaching to, you know, where you're at right now, where do you think you had the biggest change of being a coach? Cause that's gotta be a hard transition from going from player to coach. Uh, yeah. so what was the biggest change that you've seen in yourself?
2: uh well I think the first year was big for me I honestly don't really remember much from that first year because I was just running around with my head cut off like (laughs) uh it was it's a blur but I learned so much that first year I I kind of transitioned from you know it's just different when you're one of the guys and we're one of the players and now you're kind of you're a grad assistant but you're still sort of an authority figure and you got to make sure that everyone's kind of doing the right thing you're you're an extension of the coaching staff um so you got to be on point and aligned with everything that they're trying to trying to push and so that was adjust, a big adjustment for me was was kind of taking that side of things and and so i think that first year was big my first year as an assistant was huge i mean get, i remember walking out there coach hafer was like all right dave you got the shell drill and i i had never really ran a drill with with division 1 players as a grad assistant you're kind of just you're helping out you're but you're not the one directing everyone where to go and yeah. I remember kind of being shocked, like, okay, this is a little, little harder than I thought, and um, little, there's some public speaking in there, and just, there's a lot of different moving parts. Uh, but I think Shantae's first year was huge for me, uh, just kind of getting a voice, uh, really taking more, more ownership of the offense and, and what we're running, and because, um, you know, Shantae hadn't been a head coach, so we, he was really leaning on Bobby, Coach Book, and myself, uh, a little more than, than coach Hayford had, who'd been coaching. He'd, he'd been a head coach for a long time. So we kind of had a system, everyone knew what to expect. And with Shantae, it was like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to figure it out? And, um, I think that was a huge year for me as well.
1: Yeah. So what, what is it like playing for Shantae leggings? Yeah. Cause I. <laughs> I, from all my interactions with him, conversation with him, and just, he just seemed like a really stand up guy. He's an individual. You know, when you meet somebody, you're like, this is just a genuine, nice guy. And when he's talking to you, he's talking to you as a person. He's not just, you know, giving you a quick five minutes. And so, what is it like, uh, you know, working with him?
2: I mean, it's been great. For, for me personally, it, it's just really fun because, you that's my guy. We, we came up together in the coaching business. Like, uh, it's really fun to just, we got, we had all these ideas kind of coming up and now we are able to bounce them off each other and, and really try ex, experiment with them. Um, so coaching with him is great. Uh, he, he doesn't micromanage at all. Like he, if you're, if you got a job to do, he's going to make expect you to do it. And, um, you know, I think all of us have really taken that and run, um, with, the, again, it comes back to the ownership thing. I think whether it's coaching or players, we, we everyone's got to take ownership in what they're doing. Uh, as far as playing for him, it's, it's gotta be fun. Cause I mean, he lets you rock out. He wants you guys, he wants our guys to play free. Um, especially offensively, like he doesn't want our guys thinking, I mean, he doesn't, he wants, he wants to take the handcuffs off and really let them let them do what they're best at. Uh, but at the same time, if you're, if you're doing that, you've got to know your role because not everyone's Tyler Harvey, not everyone's Jacob Davison, who's going to get 15 shots a game and, and have that kind of green light. So, um, it's it's a little bit of a learning curve uh for for guys when they come in they cuz everyone's got freedom but you you can kind of choke on that freedom a little bit and so you got to rein it back a little bit but at the end of the day once our guys figure that out i mean they they're out there playing loose and free and they're they're calling their own plays and i i think it's it's got to be pretty fun to play for him
1: well i mean it just, <laughs> as someone who you know played basketball as well i just I would love to play in this offense because you just let them play. Cause you don't have necessarily have like, you know, you're running, Hey, we're running this player or whatever. You're just playing. Right. Yeah. And, and that's just gotta be absolutely fun. And, uh, and I think that's, that's got to be a huge selling point, you know, to, to guys that you're trying to lure over here to Eastern Washington. Like, hey, look, look at Kim Aiken Jr. Hey, look at Jacob Davis and Mason Peatling. Like, if the, your style of play will work perfect here at Eastern. And But you're right. I mean, we were talking earlier. you got to treat yourself like a pro. It's not knowing mm-hmm. only your role and responsibility, but knowing everybody else's role and responsibility. So you're at the right place at the right time on the court, doing the right things because – you're right. I mean, we're going to let you play, but we're going to give you just <laughs> enough leash that, you know, y- yeah. y- you could get yourself in trouble.
2: Yep, exactly. And then, I mean, that's, that's huge with our guys. Like we, there's a bunch of schools and it, it, it works obviously, because there's, there's some successful schools that do it, but they'd get the, they get the rebound. They walk it up the court. They look back at their head coach. Okay. We're running this play. Yeah, yeah. And it's 15 seconds in the shot clock. And if our guys, did that Shantae would lose his mind? <laughs> I mean, it's go go go, and if there's a timeout or a dead ball, then yeah, we can look back and call a play. But they they better be flowing and and pushing, and you know I think a lot of that comes probably from Shantae's time overseas, um, watching success. Like I think Gonzaga does an incredible job of that. Just their their flow offense and Coach Book when he was here, David David he brought some Davids and stuff in, and they they're big on just flowing and letting their guys play, and um, so it's just been taking different pieces of, of different offenses and, and styles. And that's been, that's been big for us.
1: Yeah. And I, I do got a question. This is just totally off topic. Uh, you, you brought up coach uh, Booker and, uh, uh, this is just a rusty observation. I just would like if you confirm or deny it. Sometimes when the games got loud, like Shantae would be yelling at a ref and the ref wouldn't get it, He couldn't get his attention. <laughs> so he'd turn over to coach Booker
2: and he would get his
1: attention. <laughs> is that true? Is that, is that, is that, is that, is that something? Co- true?
2: Coach Book had a presence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, was, he was good, man. When he needed to be heard or like a, that, that was definitely a big piece of his role. And it's, it's something we're going to miss. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Bobby and myself and TJ were gonna have to step up and, and kind of take on that role. And and be a little bit of a, the hard ass sometimes in practice or, or whenever it's needed. Cause Shantae, he'll, he can play that role too, but uh, he, he's, he's a good guy and he, he wants to be positive and you got to have a balance at sometimes.
1: You do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, what is your current, like things that you're focusing on as associate head coach or your kind of roles and responsibilities we're talking about with the players, but for you yourself?
2: Uh, I mean, I, Running the offense is kind of my big thing. Um, anything, anything that that's going off the offense is is. I mean, Shante kind of runs it basically, where is offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, um, and so that's my big focus during the year uh, is is just making sure things are running smoothly on that on that side of the ball. Um, coaching the wings, so we break it up. Um, you know, T.J. has got the bigs. I got the wings. Bobby has the guards and and Shante definitely micromanages the guards a little more because he was a, he was a point guard so he's and it's it's such an important part so he's Bobby or Shantes over there with Bobby a lot and um but yeah for myself it's the wings the offense the academics I've been doing the academics since I was an ops guy and and, and we've been pretty good in that, in that area so it's just been kind of stayed stayed my role uh, and then fundraising just cuz you know coach that was something i learned a ton from coach hayford I mean, that's one of the big reasons he was so successful here is just bringing all the the financial support from from people in spokane and, and cheney over here and Shantae and i have, have really tried to carry that on um and so that's especially right now with the climate they we're in with with eastern athletics and in just sh- shoot division one athletics fundraising is huge and so we, that's been our big push right now so i'd say those are my my kind of four main things is the academics fundraising offense and the wings
1: yeah and that's something that the fundraising is something that you don't necessarily you know see or hear about with coaches but it's so important and like we're seeing it right now more than ever and it is so important to build relationships with individuals and uh, uh so in you know in the time of need or just down the road and stuff and uh you're right jim Hayford, coach Hayford did an absolute phenomenal job i've heard that from a number of people but uh so let's talk about, you know, this previous season. I mean, it was an incredible uh, season. Uh, they went 23-8. and They went 16-4 uh, conference. They were on a seven-game winning streak going towards the end of the season. And uh, they went 13-2 at home. Obviously, the season was cut short due to COVID. Uh, the season was, you know, uh, the tournament was cut short. We lost Mason Peatling and Tyler Kidd to graduation. Uh, but looking back at the season it was absolutely just an incredible season. We we're talking with Larry Weir last night and I told him, I mean, I, I don't know how you call games because if you didn't have like a cardiac history going in the season, you definitely <laughs> had one at the end, but, uh, it, looking at the games, I mean, Eastern was going to battle. Uh, they blew teams out. They came back from a, a big deficit. I mean, there were, it was an absolute, Absolute phenomenal season to watch. Can you kind of just as a coach just kind of recap you know what the season was like for you?
2: Yeah, I mean we we knew we had a special team uh, just this spring, or last spring um, when we were working out with our guys and and you know we'd hear about open gyms and like the guys are saying, yeah, this is the first year we're running our plays during open gyms. I'm like, okay, there's like theres there's the ownership piece starting to take come into play a little bit.' They're, they're really starting to understand that the summer guys were competing. It was the best summer we've had since I've been here just as far as guys improving and getting better. And it was just, everyone was so bought in. Um, and then on top of that, we, we had a little extra money through fundraising. And so we were able to, we, we, before the season started, before the summer started, we were like, okay, what's, we have the, we have the talent. We got the guys that are going to work hard. What's going to be the biggest thing that could get in our way. And we're like, okay, it might be team chemistry. We got to make sure we have the closest tightest knit team in the conference. And so, we started getting our guys meals a few times a week where they would come over to, you know, to Shantae's house or we just have in the locker room. Sometimes we just get them meals and, and leave and make sure they just hung out for 45 minutes and just spend time with each other. Uh, and I think that was a big piece to our success. Like, I, I know it doesn't seem like much, but just eating together brings guys together. Just eating, being close-knit, or being close to each other, make, forcing them into interact with, with all of them. I think that was a huge piece of it. Um, so when fall hit we we're like okay we got a really tight team we have a really talented team there's no injuries at this point um, you know is we were we were really excited um, and then as soon as the season started getting underway we, we we won some big games we lost some 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 high major games that I think we we could have performed better in but we started at, as that went on we were like, okay holy crap we're we got this we're, we're good we beat Belmont you know we, we beat an, a powerhouse mid-major team and we didn't really understand how good we were until about, you know, late, late December. And then Gonzaga knocked us back in reality. That's for sure. Um, but then once we hit conference, we had a couple speed bumps, but, um, you know, the resiliency and the toughness of this team was, was just incredible. Like Mason led that, but Kim's one of the toughest dudes there is on the court. Jacob, when he's competing, I mean, he's, he's tough as nails. He may not look like it, but he's, he's out there talking and competing. And with those three as our captains, I mean, it's hard not to follow along. And then we got Jack who's, who's quiet, but he's a competitor and, and Ellis and all these guys that just came in and it was just a a completely resilient group that was just incredible to be a part of. And at, by the end of it, we weren't, the coaches really weren't doing that much. It was just kind of like a a whole group was, was really just firing on all cylinders. And I think we were we were ready to make some noise in the NCAA tournament. It was oh, just too bad that that didn't, didn't happen. No,
1: yeah, without <laughs> I, I was looking forward to the rematch uh, against Montana, and I already know <laughs> what the result was going to be. But you, you, you said something. You kind of came back towards it in the end of your statement. There is, I think, building that team chemistry is so important, regardless. Uh, you know, in, in whatever team in sports or like in the fire service. Uh, I took this leadership class uh, from Jared Sergi. Um, he's, he works for a fire department on the East coast and something that he does and he found, you know, great success with it was, uh, he has a notebook. So everybody that he works with or works, you know, uh, in his crew, he has their name down, their hobbies down in his notebook, their mom's name, their dad's name, you know, their, uh, their kids' birthdays, their names. And. It's just the small things like that mm-hmm. that individual knows that you care about and you kind of build that trust. And honestly, once you have that team chemistry there and individuals you know enjoy working with each other, they work with each other well, you're obviously going to have a better performance on the field or whatever you're performing at. And obviously, like I said, we said earlier in the podcast, uh, this team and the coaches chemistry-wise, I, I mean, it, it, was, it was something different. And it was very special. And looking at the season – you said you, we hit a couple of speed bumps along the season, but I, to me, every time that you guys hit a speed bump, you learn from it. Mm-hmm. I think that first Montana game, you saw a more physical Eastern Washington team. After that, yes. Uh, I mean, so sure. anytime that you know Eastern got put against the ropes for for a game, they they came back better from it, and, and that's just the way that I looked at the season.
2: Yeah. Now I think that was that was huge for us. Is and we we hit on that during the year. I think I can't remember what game it was, but. We lost maybe it was idaho state but we took our team in the meeting afterwards and we said listen every step of the way we've hit it we've hit a, a roadblock we've gotten our tails kicked whatever it was we've learned from that mistake you know whether it was i, I off the top of my head i can't remember if, if we go down the, the schedule i could i could name them off but okay this game we got our butts kick on rebounding that didn't happen the rest of the year this mm-hmm. game it was unforced turnovers that didn't happen the rest of the year mm-hmm. and it was just every mistake every big big turning point we have was because we we just made sure we didn't make that same mistake twice and that again that comes down to our guys and and like you said with the trust thing like guys aren't always going to be happy like I'm sure the six through 17 on our roster all wanted to play more yeah but at the end of the day they they trust and they know that that legs and and, the, and our staff is we're looking out for them it has nothing to do with them personally we want the best for them. We're still like looking at their holistic development um, as a player. We're not just trying to get them good for that year. We're trying to make them better as players all, all around. They, they, there's no way that any of our guys question that, and I think that goes a long way because they're going to be frustrated. Like I don't care how good you are, you're going to be pissed off at, at the coach sometimes for taking you out or not running the right play or we're going to make mistakes. Like I said, we're we're not the most experienced group, but at the end of the day if they trust that that we have their best interests i think that's that's huge
1: yeah trust the process right? yep exactly uh, and, and well it's just like i think everybody has a role and responsibility it, during a game and even if you're not getting the minutes that you want even in practices you're you're part of this success mm-hmm. uh, it, you might not be putting the numbers on the the, the stat sheet, but you're, you're absolutely playing a vital role in this yep. and just trusting the process uh, on your development. Uh, and looking back in the season, um, you don't have to say anything to this, but after that last Montana game where the refing and just all the shenanigans that was taking place, you saw a different Eastern team going in through the rest of the season. You went on a seven-game win streak, getting ready to play Sacramento State uh, for a third time and both games. I think combining the games, uh, I think the total victory Eastern had over them was like by five or six points something really close I mean those were very physical games and games I was looking forward to to yeah. a, to another rematch but uh, so with that being said I mean it was a very successful season and I would say I would venture to guess with knowing what we know we lost obviously Mason Peeling and Tyler Kidd to graduation but with the way that Eastern Washington plays uh, we're not running these set plays. or you guys aren't running these set plays but I think that lends to the opportunity just for another uh encore year for eastern Washington. i mean we are returning jacob Davison, who had 18.4 points per game the dude is just a walking bucket yep. he's an absolute beast in my opinion he's one of the favorite for the big sky mvp next season no doubt the last three games of the season man he was just on fire scoring 20 points for the last or more the last three games kim Aiken jr the dude is an absolute, you know, double double <laughs> machine. He had twelve double doubles, I believe, last season. You could put him anywhere on the court, and he's going to give, you know, teams issues. That's a huge matchup issue wise. And then Did you, you know? have Jack Perry, who's an absolute. He I mean he just does all this, the right things. He's always in the right spot. He would hit a huge uh, bucket against Montana State, and yeah. to me, it was really interesting towards the end of the year. When you guys started – again, this is just Rusty's perspective. Uh, <laughs> you guys started plugging in Ellis Magnuson and Kassan Rouse and just able to swat, uh, switch it up and even uh, Michael Meadows. I mean, it just – that's going to be problems for teams in the big sky next season and just being able to kind of mix it up between the individuals. And I know I'm missing other names like uh, Tanner Grove, Jacob Groves, but, I mean, it's just going to be an absolute exciting season an exciting team.
2: Yeah, we, we got a deep team. I mean, you, you hit it on the head. We, we call them the Triple Fives, Ellis – Ellis uh, and Kassan, and it's just bringing a different dynamic to our team with those two, kind of subbing back in, and and Jack is just Mr. Steady. I think he was number two. He might have finished number one in the country in, in offensive efficiency. Just doesn't turn the ball over, hits a high percentage of threes, doesn't take any bad shots, gets a lot of assists. Very like like I think I said, no no turnovers. Uh, just super efficient player, and just does anything you need. Will guard the best player. We'll guard, he'll guard the worst player and be our best helper. I mean, you can stick him anywhere, and he'll he'll do whatever you ask. And so he's such a valuable piece to our team. And going into his senior year, I'm really excited to see what he does. Um, but yeah, like you said, we're just we're really deep. Tanner had some monster games last year. He was he you guys didn't see him in practice. Like he was one of our leading scorers in practice, and he he gave Mason fits sometimes. And when we, when we see him with a you know a bigger opportunity this year, I think he's going to surprise some people um at the, you know he's in my opinion was a top three center in the league last year but we just didn't get to see him play that much
1: that's so. the thing is because we had the big guy MVP Mason Peeling and yep. people need to remember <laughs> we might be losing Mason Peeling but Tanner Groves had to face him day in and day out in mm-hmm. practice Yep, and it, 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 there is no way that's not going to make you better and you see the stuff that's taking place in practice so if you guys have the confidence in him I I have the confidence in him as well. So I'm excited to see uh, his play, uh, you know, uh, coming into this next season. So what was the performance of the year for you? And uh, for me, while I'm allowing you a moment to think about the answer, it was kind of uh, two games because there are back-to-back games. It was against Southern Utah University and uh, Northern Colorado. Both games were super close. I believe both actually went into overtime. Uh, the first game, Mason Petling hit a three to send it into overtime against Southern Utah. Oh, it was just an absolute <clears throat> bonkers game, and it again, those, those, this was one of the games, or both games were just games. that just at the end, like I couldn't take anymore. But it was an absolute phenomenal performance by the Eastern Washington basketball team.
2: Yeah, I mean those that was, that was a great stretch. I think the biggest game of the year was at Northern Colorado when we when we were able to co- go out there. They were on a hot streak. Um. At, the winner of that game was probably going to win the league. I think they w- would have won the league um, if they had beat us that game. And so we came in there with that mindset, and it, w- it was just fun to watch our guys compete. They got up early, but we just had Kim guarding Radebaugh. He, Kim was guarding everybody out there. Mason was, was doing his thing. And it, that was just such a fun game to be a part of. Um, the Belmont game mm. was, was huge, I think that really gave us some confidence to, to understand how good we are. Because, I mean, we beat some teams that we felt that that we should beat before that. But, you know, going in and, and putting that, those numbers up was was huge for us. So I think those two games probably stand out for me the most last year.
1: Yeah, I, I would have to say, I mean, I would agree with you. those are, those are some really good games as well. So can you talk real quick? Cause we have some new signees that are joining the Eastern Washington squad this coming year. Can you talk about those individuals and kind of what they're bringing to the team or what Eastern fans can expect?
2: Yeah. I mean, first off, they, we got some really, really talented guys coming in. Um, you know, Victor is going to be, I mean, he's he comes in with a huge, I mean, Just everything he's done uh, is pretty unheard of for for us to get a guy like him. National team player, uh, played at a really high-level prep school over on the the east side of Canada last year, was a dominant player on the west side before that um, in in Vancouver. Um, And just his versatility is going to be unbelievable for us. I mean, he moves his feet like a guard. He's long. He blocks shots. When I watched him up in Canada, I mean, he's an unbelievable passer, and I don't think that got – seen as much his senior year but the way we run offense where you know where Mason was up top he's gonna be able to fit right in that role and just be really really good with his skill and his ability to, to read the defense and I mean no one's like Mason but intelligence wise the way he talks and the way he picks up on things he he's gonna kind of go in that direction where he's a high IQ guy that really is is a thinker and, and is gonna analyze the game and I think it's gonna be great for us just to have I mean, we need to have smart guys on the court that understand the game. And, and I think he's going to fit right into that. Um, at the same time, it's going to be like we're, we're at the point with our team right now where it's really hard for freshmen to earn minutes because you got Tanner. And I'm telling you, you, you watch the Houston Rockets over the next two weeks. There's some small ball stuff that they're doing that we, we were kind of intrigued with because we got guys that can guard multiple positions. There's I don't think there's a five man in the league that can score on Kim or Tyler Robertson or Jake Groves um so we might there could be 10 minutes a game where we go small ball and try to figure it out so Victor's gonna have to compete with that as well um and and so it's gonna be tough for him during minutes but I think he's definitely got a chance just the way the way he his his resume and everything he's done up in this point I think he's got a chance which is saying a lot with with the team we have coming back um then we got Isaiah from from down in in Oregon who's gonna be really good unbelievable again another really good passer great feel for the game big really big guard his shots gotten so much better over the last two years um, high-level guy like just great kid great family uh, we're really excited about him he's got a little swag to him which, which we, we what we always need with our guys we got a quiet group so it'll be good to have him on board um, and again I think he, he could it's gonna take a little bit of time for him to get adjusted to the strength of the game, but or the physicality. But he's gonna be a, a really high-level player for us. Um, we got Madung uh, from Edmonds, and he's one of those guys that he wasn't playing in the metro. He wasn't playing on like the the high-level AAU team, so he wasn't really seen as much as other guys. But he is—he's a bucket. Like he just can get his shot off on anyone. He attacks the rim. From yeah, what I've seen of him. He <laughs> yeah. attacks the rim. He's really—I mean—he's flying around. His motor's high. He's talking. He's his favorite player is Jamal Crawford. So I mean, he's—he's he's gonna bring a little swag to us as well. I'm really excited for him. And again, I think the physicality is gonna need to get in the weight room a little bit. It's just. We've got so many good players right now. It's going to be a battle, and but he, I, I can tell you one thing: all three of those guys are not going to back down. They're going to come in ready to fight, and it's going to be great for our upperclassmen to go against them every day. And um, you know, we'll see how it all pans out with with playing time. But it's it's fun. It'll be fun to see.
1: Yeah, I I would, I would imagine you know as a coach or you know even as a player like when I when I played ball I didn't want to play against people I'm just going to walk over. I want to play against like good competition. Yeah. Right? And you're going to a squad that you have compete for minutes like. It's only gonna make you better. Like if you want to get better, hey, come here to Eastern Washington, mm-hmm. earn your minutes. You're gonna get on the court and you're gonna become a solid player. Yep. I mean, you look at Mason and you look at Jacob Davison, they weren't like superstars day one. They worked where they got to, you know. Exactly. The things that you're seeing on the court right now was from their hard work and their dedication to the craft. So that's absolutely exciting to see. Uh, you know, thanks for breaking those players down. And uh before we sign off, because we're getting pretty close to that time, is what, how, how much do you enjoy recruiting? I think it would be pretty cool to be traveling around watching back. Cause I like watching basketball. I don't care what <laughs> kind of basketball it is. I like watching hoops. Yep. What that side of the ball uh, or that realm of things, uh, mm-hmm. how much do you enjoy?
2: I, I love it. I mean, I, I like going and watching hoops. I like building relationships with players and, and different coaches because there's so many good people in that field. Like a, whether it's AAU coaches or high school coaches, you know, Bobby and I had the chance last year to go down to Italy to watch the U16, the European Championships um, down there and met a ton of people. And that's something that I, r- I really want to get into. You look at Gonzaga and their success and, and our success with Australia, um, you know, it's just a whole different niche we can get into. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, personally for me, like I spent a little time over in, in England growing up, and I think that's something that, that I can. Really, really jump on, to in the uh, the Tommy Lloyd path. There you go. Um, but just just building relationships with all these coaches that are that are great guys that they're in goals trying to help these kids get scholarships and 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 achieve their goals. It's it's fun to be a part of that. And then evaluating is fun too. Like oh, yeah. they, there's you can go watch a game and some kid has a bunch of dunks, but you're not really looking at that. You're looking at all the other things because what w- obviously kids improve a lot in college. Like I said before, we had a bunch of guys that no one really was looking at and we just won a big sky tournament because, or big sky championship because they improved from the time they got here to their senior year. Right. And I don't care how good you are, there's very few high school players that can come in right away and play at a college level. I don't it whatever, whatever level. Um, but if, if they come in and they're, they're high energy, they got a great motor, if, if they're gym rats, if they're high character, I mean those are the big things for us. And if the if they got those four things, the rest is probably gonna take care of itself. Yeah. And personally for me they, they they probably should be able to shoot too because <laughs> we want our offense to look good.
1: Well I mean that that's kinda your your, your realm or <laughs> yep. what you grew up on. And and uh it's I like watching highlight tapes and people say, especially like the high school kids that they put together and people say, you know, Rusty, it's highlight tapes. You're not gonna get anything from it. And to me, I'm like, you're looking at it wrong. I like to look at what they're not showing or what they're not doing on Mm -hmm. those highlight tapes as well, because that could, I mean, it's not confirming anything, but it's a possibility, right? But, uh, Coach, with that being said, uh, I mean that kind of wraps everything up. I greatly appreciate your time. I enjoyed this previous—I uh, don't know how long it's been, but it, it's been some great conversations. It's—it's it's always awesome to pick a coach's brain. It's always awesome to pick, uh, a, you know, a basketball player's brain as well. Um, so. Before we sign off with our traditional go eags, can you tell people how they can find you on social medias? If you don't want anybody find you on social media, you can just leave it <laughs> as blank. That's totally up to you.
2: I'm definitely the least social media savvy of the of the coaching staff. I mean, Bobby and TJ they're they're updating their their pictures and tweeting to people all the time, and Shantae has got his blue check mark. So, um, but yeah, you can. I'm on I'm on Twitter. I don't really post on it. I I think Twitter's my my go to uh, social media. But um, if you really want some some good stuff. I'd, I'd recommend following the other three. Right on. <laughs> I'll retweet their stuff.
1: <laughs> right on. With hey, With that being said, thanks again for listening to Eagles Power Hour. You can find us on any of your podcasts and platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and CastBox. Please make sure to subscribe and rate our podcast because it really does help us out, and we appreciate the feedback. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you could join face- our Facebook group by searching Eagles Power Hour. Or you can find us on Twitter at Eagles Hour. You can find Kyler on Twitter at Kyler EPH. Or you can find yourself, yours truly, Rusty, at Rusty EPH. Hey, thanks again for listening. Go Eags. Go Eags.